Hello, world, and welcome back to the Morning Geekdom Podcast. As always, I am your host, Anthony Matulin, and today I am joined by Rob. On today's podcast, we discuss a horror classic, A Nightmare on Elm Street. From Wes Craven, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. There's something out there, isn't there? She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails, no one will survive. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Nightmare on Elm Street, rated R. Hey, buddy, how you doing? Amazing. What's going on? Nothing, man. Living the dream. Two, uh, I, I'm recording two podcasts in a row. It's like old times. Nice. The other nice. one was me. Who was the other one? No, you and this one, buddy. Oh, I thought you snuck one in in the in the in between. No, yeah, what do we I did, know? Uh, what we do did I the know? pop culture news and then you. This yeah, one. I'm excited. I'm excited. We're all That's back it. on rotation. You're in the rotation. So this was a this was like a late addition. So we we because I took a little bit of time off, some things fell through the crack, and I said, "Hey, who wants to record on Sunday?" And you said, "Me, me, 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 me." This guy. And I said, Ready "What are go. we gonna do?" And we decided a nightmare on Elm Street. Perfect, perfect, perfect seasonal, topical, always a classic nightmare on Elm Street. Do you know why I enjoy this movie so much? I don't know why you enjoy this movie so much. It has a perfect runtime. <laughs> what what is it? Eighty in, minutes. I, I'm 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 looking it up quick. It's an hour. Out. It says hour forty one. It doesn't feel that long. It feels shorter. It's like you're in and you're out. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, there's no fluff. Not, not a lot of <laughs> fluff, man. Starts, I'm having a dream. I'm having a dream too. You too? Yeah, I am. 15 minutes later, dead. <laughs> That's how the movie starts, right? Uh, it's good, efficient movie making. It's efficient movie making. Wes Craven at his finest. You betcha. So, I would argue better than Scream, but I'm sure we'll get through all this. Well, and now, you know, let's just ask that question right off the bat Is this sure. Wes Craven's best movie? My humble opinion, yeah. We, the we kind of like look at it this way: if when 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 West when he died, he's dead. So on Wes Craven's gravestone, it should read uh, "Creator of Freddy Krueger" because I feel like that was his strongest contribution um, to the genre. My humble opinion. So if I have to if I have to tell you like my four favorite Wes Craven movies, it's yes, yeah. not not in order, but it's this: Scream, The Hills Have Eyes, and Swamp Thing. Ah, because I love Swamp Thing. Yeah, Swamp Thing's a fun movie. Yeah, I remember as a child. I mean, I haven't seen that movie in probably twenty years. But as a mm-hmm. child, I, that was like that was the one when you went to the store. Like you said, you guys would always go to Blockbuster and you'd rent like the same things over and over again. Sure, Swamp Thing was it for me. <laughs> I have no idea why. Why? <laughs> there, there was a weird thing about that movie. If I remember it right, like wasn't the bad guy like some sort of mutant and at the end he had like came out of like a cocoon or something? Am I like visualizing it correctly? I don't dude, now I'm drawing a blank. I don't remember. I just remember we saw boobs. So there were boobs. Boobs, yeah. Oh yeah. A lot of violence. Oh yeah. And a cool ass weird main character that had like yeah. shit grown out of him. <laughs> so good. Too bad it's had such a shitty sequel. <laughs> yeah, and then apparently the the DC show that came out was supposed it got like really good reviews then canceled after what like two episodes it's it's funny if you follow swamp thing as far as an IP is concerned mm-hmm. everyone always loves it 
but it just never quite gets what it needs. There's this whole Alan Moore storyline in comic books Mm -hmm. that I just paid no attention to. And um, I remember listening to a Kevin Smith podcast, and and he was going on about it, about how it's really not about Swamp Thing. It's about the the psychology of the man within Swamp Thing and his removal from humanity. It was beautiful what he was saying. At one point, the dude was crying. And I'm like, what? It's like Swamp Thing? I remember that stupid movie. And then a good friend of mine, Greg, just kind of had brought it up. He's like, yeah, I have all these books. It's just great, you know, beautifully written. Hmm. Like, okay. And this, the selling point of it was um, he has a love interest, of course. Sure. And how does a plant and a, um, you know, woman, human, actually have sex? Yeah. So actually you go into it a little bit in the comic books. And it's less physical as much as it's like Swamp Thing grows like magic mushrooms out of his armpits. And then he hands it over to her and she kind of has this whole like brrr thing. And um, that's how like this whole like love thing is happening. It's bizarre, but it's fantastic. I didn't know. I didn't think that at 1030 Pacific time today (laughs) we'd be talking about magic mushrooms growing out of armpits and then a woman eating it. I would also ask, how does a duck have sex with a woman? Because, I mean, Howard the Duck, right? Oh, and Howard the Duck. That's a great I'm question. I'm more weirded out by that. That one's got more icky. There's a lot more ickiness <laughs> going on in that one. But hey, maybe icky. we'll find out in the sequels. I hope not. <laughs> so Leah I would Thompson. say I enjoy Scream as a whole movie better yep. than A Nightmare on Elm Street. But A Ooh. Nightmare on Elm Street has more iconic scenes. Sure. So rewatching this last night, I was struck by the amount of like scenes that this movie has in it that you're like, holy shit, that's awesome. Yeah. Like it, this is this is the quintessential like 2019. Oh, you don't need to watch the whole movie. Just watch these scenes on YouTube. <laughs> well, I think the the whole franchise is filled with um, fun death scenes and fun oh, yeah. dream, dream sequences. Yeah, And it certainly starts with this one. And as the movies go on in the series, they get more and more ridiculous. Yeah. But the there is a good emotional connection with um, with the leads in this movie more so than, it, I would say, in the other ones. But I think that that connection is enough to drive the overarching story rather than just kind of being those, those short scenes. But you could get through the movie just looking at it on YouTube clips, sure. And this is the this well the movie shines in my opinion in the dream sequences. That's when this movie is like pushed to like horror classic status, I think. Yeah. And I think if I'm not mistaken, this has got to be the one in the whole series that has the least amount of screen time for Freddy. Like Robert yeah. England's not in this movie a lot. No, and it's it's funny. It's like I I love this movie. Obviously, I love this movie, and sure. and I love the sequels too. And I got I got a whole rank in my head of 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 where I think everything kind of belongs. I can't and believe. Wait. Oh yeah, it's 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 something <laughs> special. But with the the thing with this one is, of course, it, like it set up the series and everything. But it's funny that your Freddy Krueger of the first one is very different than every single one afterwards. Yeah, and yeah. it's. You know, they, they they tried to kind of keep it as like, hey, there's this kind of character in the shadows, and that's what kind of made it so mysterious and what made it so kind of scary and icky. Um, and I think if he had like two or three lines in this, it would have been a lot. And his the way he uses his voice is all kind of weird in this one too. 
But, yeah, um, it is. And, and the way they, the, the few lines he has, it does strike me again watching it last night that he is like a pedophile with the creepiness of his character and only the few lines he has. You're like, this dude is a fucking creep and I can see why he was burned alive by people. <laughs> well, that was like part of this whole thing was that did you see the history on like Freddy Krueger or where he actually came from it's actually pretty interesting well there which there is one of the movies that starts off where Alice Cooper is his dad right and it shows yeah. i can't remember which one it is and it kind of shows more of the history of how he was when he was a child and kind of what made him be the person he was before he was killed correct yeah 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 kind of so i think it's in in 5 the dream child or whatever the hell it was called they started trying to get more into like where he came from and like how he grew up and so the whole the the whole mythos of Freddy is is kind of interesting because you really don't get much of it in the first one but the the premise is great so the premise is there was a um, child murderer in Springfield um, who was also a child molester so in the original script it was supposed to be that it was a child molester but they downplayed it because when this movie was shot. Unfortunately, child molestation was a like top news issue and there was a little bit too much of it going on. So they tried to downplay it a lot. They replaced it with like the new one had a lot of ch- child molestation tones in it, but that mm-hmm. one just sucked anyway. So the whole idea <laughs> of the local police not being able to get like a handle on this guy or him being able to skirt out on some sort of technicality and then the parents coming together to hump this dude down and then to, like, light him on fire. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, vigilante um, justice gone berserk. As a guy <laughs> in a small town, especially kind of where I am, I could totally see this as a feasible thing. And it's funny how when you get older, it, like, the scariness of Freddy Krueger actually kind of evolves and changes a little bit. Sure. But anyway, the, the mythos of it, long story short, is... Um, he is born of Amanda Kruger, who was a nurse in an asylum, who was raped by a hundred maniacs, as they say. Um, and then the this Freddy Krueger was the bastard child of these maniacs, who was later raised by Alice Cooper, who was not only kind of like a dick, but he was like abusive and kind of weird. And, you know, it kind of went on from there. Sure. But um, yeah, but there's a whole supernatural thing that they bring up in Freddy's dead, which is just fucking stupid, which is like <laughs> the dream worms come to him as he's about to kind of like get burned alive and they give him some sort of power to like quant people in their dreams. That movie was fucking stupid. But anyway, we're getting off track here. Sorry. We're getting off track, but I, I we're going to get into the sequels because there's right. a lot of them. Let me give you the synopsis. I know you kind of gave it now. Let me give you the official IMDB synopsis, which this one's actually good. A lot of them are terrible. This one's not bad. Cool. The monstrous spirit of a slain child murderer seeks revenge by invading the dreams of teenagers whose parents were responsible for his untimely death. Awesome. That's the movie. It's. I mean, it describes the movie, but that does not capture that movie at all. No, but well, I just I gave you, start to finish, what this movie's about. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. But there's so much more. There's so much subcontext. It's fantastic. All right, 94% critics. audience. I'm surprised it's that low. I'm surprised there's that big of a gap in between the two, and I'm surprised that 94% of critics think this movie's great. Yeah, fair. Because it's... 
it's is it a well written like it's well written a storyline but is the dialogue particularly amazing no is the acting particularly amazing in this one no i mean there's really like a lot in there that critics would kind of look at i wonder if it's made up for like the mythos of the whole thing I think that it's because – so it is a well-directed movie. It's visually a great movie for the time period it was. Again, it has individual events. I don't even want to call them scenes every time, but these things that happen that you're like, holy shit, I've never seen that in a movie, and it's really well done. But I agree with you. The acting is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And whether whether that's the dialogue that's written, um, I'm not sure, but it's it's a lot. Especially when, you know, Johnny Depp being this is his first movie and he's kind of the standout. Like you can see like, okay, this is the one guy in this movie that can act. Yeah. But it's funny. You look at because nothing. Try not to take away anything from Heather Langenkamp because, I mean, this movie is her legacy more so than it is um, Wes Craven's. You know, I think Robert England like this is clearly all his. But sure. Heather Langenkamp is kind of like a close second. She, and she's, not, she's not bad. No, she's not great either. There's no, a no. it's it's you know the the way that they kind of described her as far as what the character was supposed to be um I don't think is necessarily kind of conveyed in the performance. I find her to be a little annoying and a little irritating. I and the way she kind of like speaks to people is real shitty, but she's supposed to be a relatively kind of popular athletic kind of girl. Yeah. Um but it just never kind of like comes out that way. It's funny because the her friend uh, Tina Amanda Weiss is actually a little bit more kind of engaging in my opinion than mm-hmm. uh, she is. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think that Nancy is very aggressive in this movie. Like every time she's talking to someone, all the dialogue she's having, she's like the direction she was given was just be aggressive. Right. Not scared even, just aggressive. And she really is just shitty to everybody she talks to, including uh, her boyfriend, right? Oh, yeah. Like she's, Depp- she's the girl in the group project that is bossing everybody around. Like, that's how I visualize her in school. It's fair. I mean, that's I fair. But, I mean, she's also the one who is telling people, hey, this guy describing him as trying to murder me in my sleep. Here's his hat. And everybody's just like, nah. Nah. Where'd nah. you get that from? Go to sleep. Go back. Fucking try hat. To, try to get the other half of your head to be gray. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> but I, I get it. Um, I Again, I don't think she's terrible. I think also, like, this is a movie that was shot in 32 days with a bunch of relatively, I mean, a lot of these kid actors, these teenagers were, like, unknown or had only been in a few things. And they're doing the best they can. I don't think you're watching this movie specifically for the acting. No, 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 no. But... I compare this to Halloween, which is, again, in my top 10, not just horror movies, but favorite films of all time, top 10. And the perform- acting performances are night and day. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis is fantastic in that movie. Right. PJ right. Souls and- is great. Like, all of the supporting actors and actresses are great. Where this, you're like, I'm good. Let me see more Freddy. Right. And that's the thing. Like, the this, the standout, besides Johnny Depp, which I totally agree, he, he you certainly get a feeling of him very different from anybody else. Yeah. Um, but it's it, Robert England as well. As little as he had to do, um, he brought kind of so much of that character that kind of added to the creepiness and the weirdness and the uneasiness of the whole thing. Uh, that was such an important piece of it. So you take Robert England out of this on top of, like, all of these... Um, other actors, you're going to get the 2000, whatever it was, 2010, 2009, I forget 2010. what the hell. That yeah. version of the movie, which was just like, meh. 
Well, I mean, at, at 2010, we're we're in such a different different point in this genre, right? Mm. 84, when this movie came out, you're still they're still trying to understand what these slasher quote unquote films are. Yeah, you haven't had a ton of them yet. Where a lot of the violence in this movie is implied, with the exception of uh, Tina, who yeah. is pretty brutally murdered. Oh my goodness! You know the depth the depth stuff is implied because he's you just see the aftermath of him getting sucked into the bed. Where in 2010, like it's hey, let's make this as realistic and as gory as possible. Yeah, but that's what made it so good. So like De- like the the Johnny Depp stuff when he gets killed, so obviously gets sucked into the bed and then it kind of like geysers out the blood. It almost becomes ridiculous. Like it's just like right. it's it's bananas. But the stuff with um, Tina and her being slashed right in front of her boyfriend, even the opening kind of slashes on that. I think they split her blouse and then the knife goes right across her chest and it just bleh, just kind of blows yeah. up. And then her dragged all over the ceiling and the walls. And even after that, when she like falls like dead to the bed, it is so gory and violent. But there is just a uh, viscerosity to it that is yeah. more realistic than anything else. And it's that that's clearly the standout kill in the in the movie. That is the scene that makes me the most uncomfortable. Mm. And it's not because of the violence. It's I think because of how how Craven shot it and where he's pushing her to and like she almost seems like she's possessed but she's dreaming so she's all over the 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 walls like you said the ceiling slamming up and down it's it's uneasy to me it's it makes sure. me uncomfortable any of the movies that have to do with some sort of like a possession bother me obviously <laughs> i know she's not possessed but uh-huh. it has that feel and it felt i i i mean i understand how they did it obviously she's not on wires they flipped the it's shot where she's actually on the ground and they flip it. I understand that, but it, you don't get that feeling watching it. No, it feels real, super real. And to be yeah. totally honest, until I saw like the making of stuff, um, I didn't know how the hell they did it. But it totally makes sense when you start kind of getting into it. But yeah. it is just so it's just so freaking raw. But that's yeah. that. The other thing of it is, and, and the psychology of it is that this is happening and you have no control over it. Like, you are in a locked room on the second floor of a house with, like, your freaking boyfriend sitting right there. And there is nothing anybody can do. She has lost complete control. And that's that's that that's that whole inner fear. It's not so much the fear of, like, hey, there's Jason Voorhees, you know, on the other side of the door. I could run or try to hit him with something. There's, you know, there's a physicality of, like, I got a shot at this. But in this, you got no shot. It's happening one way or another. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. No, you're in. That's it. All right. And that's so as what I mentioned, it so good. Yeah. As I mentioned, the film was shot in 32 days, which seems crazy. Mm. $1.8 million budget, which what? is, again, crazy. The movie only made $25 million, but when you're only spending $1.8 and it makes $25.5, that's a huge success. You're doing okay. And so how many films are in this series, Rob? How many right, films so you... is Freddy Krueger in? In this grouping or with the other stuff? So you got... The, the character that Wes Craven created, Freddy Krueger, how many movies is... Because I would put this all in the same universe. Okay. How many we got? So we got we got the six numbered ones. So it's five and then Freddy's set. So there's six. You got New Nightmare is seven. You got Freddy versus Jason, which is eight. And then you've got um, the new one, which is nine. So you got nine in the series. So nailed it. So you have A Nightmare uh, on Elm Street. You have Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Is that the one where he he has the the needles for hands? 
Yeah, that one was that. That is my top one. We'll get there, but that is my favorite nightmare. Okay, so everybody seems that that's always the one that everybody goes back to. Like, I like the original and Dream Warriors. Yep. Then you have a Nightmare on Elm Street four, Dream Master. Nightmare yep. on Elm Street five, The Dream Child. Yeah. Um, it's getting a little old with them adding a Nightmare on Elm Street before each title. Yeah. Then we go Freddy's Dead, the final nightmare. <laughs> Dumb. Wes Craven's A New Nightmare, which was then the next time Craven came to direct, right? He hadn't yep. directed any of the other ones. Um, Freddy vs. Jason, which I dumb. love. Don't uh, judge did me. Did you? What? I, for for like just pure like dumb. Like it's just right. dumb. It was a good time at the theater. And it was stupid. <laughs> um, and A New Nightmare on Elm Street. Or excuse me, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the 2010 version. Right. How much money did all these movies make, Rob? As a f- Nightmare on Elm Street universe, what do you think they're making? Each one or t- uh, total? Total. Total. It's got to so it's Freddy, $1.8 million for the original. So they only right. spent $1.8 million to launch this universe, essentially. <laughs> it's got, at this point, it's got to be a billion-dollar franchise, easily, right? Uh, it's $457 million oh. in, in total revenue, which is a ton, right? Because yeah. most of these movies came out in the 80s. But as IP, it's got to be pushing over a billion dollars. I, I got to imagine you see yeah. it everywhere, and especially yeah. when we were in the height of it, we were like drowning in it. Yeah, for with license, you know, with the with the Halloween costumes, with the haunted houses, everything. But just yeah. the films, half a billion dollars, which seems crazy to me. Yeah. Okay. I'm pretty <laughs> I impressed was that you got all those. Fourth grade, I played Freddy Krueger in Halloween. Played, I was Freddy Krueger in Halloween. So you dressed up as Freddy Krueger in fourth grade. How old are you in fourth grade? Eight or nine? Yeah. Well, how old, how old Owen is 10. What grade is he in? He's in fifth grade. So there but you I was, go. You're in third is, or fourth grade. There you go. <laughs> Bananas. Uh, did you have the face paint? Like, did you do the whole no, thing? No, I had like, there is the standard Freddy rubber oh, mask that looks nothing yep. like him with the foam yep. hat. That was me. Yep. And then, So I remember seeing, I don't remember which one it was. I had to be 10. So it would have been dream. It would have had to be. Dream Master or Dream Warriors, I would imagine, because it was around 90, mm-hmm. 90, 91. Um, and I remember begging my dad, let's go see it, let's go see it, let's go see it. And he's like, the only way you can see it is if we go, we don't leave. Like, you have to watch it. Ah, you got to muscle it no out, problem. buddy. No problem. Let's do it. And I did it, and I was terrified. Um, <laughs> and But I remember also being Freddy at, like, one Halloween, and get, finding the glove was, like, a yep. big deal. Oh, yeah. Because it was and hard had... to find a glove. There were like two, as far as we were concerned, there were two different versions of it. There was a shitty one that was just like a, a kind of like a, a cloth yep. glove with like stupid knives coming out of it. Yep. And then there was like the good vinyl plastic one with the actual work glove in it. And you had to like shop around for that fucker. But um, God bless yeah. her. Luis found that sucker. No, yeah. Pre-internet people. Look it up. Yeah, that's right. We got to find city. that shit. Oh, but okay, I have like fantasizing about buying like a prop one and like i always like oh it's gonna be so cool i should totally have but it's like it is unbelievably violent as i'm kind of thinking of it it's like this something i want hanging on a wall yeah but it's like it's up there and that's one of my questions and we'll just dive into it now if in terms of like iconic props from a movie oh yeah the freddy gloves top 10 right it's got to be Easily, because the, the character is identifiable by a prop the thing uses. It's, it's as yeah. identifiable as a lightsaber is. And what other horror character is identified by a specific, something that unique? I, I mean, you could say, like, Leatherface has the chainsaw, but it's a fucking chainsaw, right? Right. Michael Myers has, like, usually the, the butcher knife. But again, it's a fucking knife. Like, it's not 
this is a glove that you see him. The first scene of the movie is him making it. Right. Awesome. And it's so good. That opening scene is so good because it actually gives you the mechanics. You see the guy laying the solder and like it that would what a great way to enter a franchise by showing how the killer is actually making, you know, his his what his whatever. Yeah. But um and then it you you hear Robert England's creepy ass laugh the whole time too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It, Breathing it weird in the background. You know, it's. A, I won't give you that word. Well, I mean, I know how much boiler. He's in the boiler room. I'm sure it's hot. It's probably stuffy in there. Not a lot sure, of windows. He's got all, probably a lot of sinus infections. All that stuff floating yeah. around. Sweater. Like the sweater in the boiler room is not. His his outfit is not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> nope. But what's funny is well, two things are funny. So the first thing is you know that opening scene when you actually see him constructing it. Um, it's it the introduction to Freddy Krueger. It's actually not Robert England doing all of that it's actually mm-hmm. the prop guy because the sure. prop guy actually knew how that whole thing was built so that's they shot that with him in the sweater which i think is super cool but the other piece of it is the color of the sweater is green and red and that was all like psychology of like west craven finding like all right what are the two most contrasting colors to kind of really um disturb people that are looking at it and it's red right. and green so that's why they integrated into it so there's a lot of thought that went into um the design of him but as you're kind of really kind of looking at it and you're hearing the stories of like how they came up or how Wes Craven came up with the character, um, he talks about how he was like a little kid and um, he's looking out his bedroom window and walking by is like a kind of uh, some guy in a fedora or a hat um, and a trench coat just kind of walking by really kind of weird. So he's following him as he goes and then dude just stops turns around and makes eye contact with him and like 10 year old Wes Craven just kind of like jumps into the bed so he says a couple of like minutes go by he goes back to the window to see if he's still there and dude is still there staring at him (laughs) and gives him like this creepy little smirk and that was enough to like screw Wes Craven up with that kind of like iconography but the whole that whole thing is like what a great story. Like something that happened to you as a child, you were kind of putting together in your writing and making a movie. And sure. it's so great that that became a mainstream horror, you know, thing. But it's like that shit doesn't happen anymore. And it's a bummer. And why doesn't it happen anymore? Because people go through traumatic stuff all the time. Doesn't that happen to uh, Kevin McAllister in Home Alone 1? Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> but that guy was a good guy. He was he just was salting the sidewalk. Old man Marley. Mm-hmm. Um, so I also read, so the, the idea, so I did read what you were talking about now where that's how he kind of got like visually what Freddie was going to look like. And I couldn't agree more at the end, especially when they're in the car and the top is the red and green. Yep. You're like this, that is like, again, a little unsettling. The whole movie makes me uneasy a little bit. Sure. Um, but I did read that apparently he got the story or was inspired, Craven was inspired to write the story because he there was articles in the LA Times about Southeast Asian refugees. Did you read this? I did. It's a great story. Yeah. So Southeast Asian refugees who were leaving um, Cambodia and Vietnam on the way to America were dying in their sleep because of like nightmares, and they can't they couldn't they couldn't understand why this was happening. But the the correlation where they were all sleeping and they were all dying like visibly like being upset sleeping and then dying which is crazy yeah and again it becomes that like thing you have absolutely no control over 
Um, the 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 second part of that story was the article he read about it. Was, I think he was also a Cambodian, like not a not a child, but like a kind of you know teenager, I guess. Mm-hmm. That was arguing with his parents um, because they wanted him to sleep, and he's like, "I'm not going to go to sleep. If I go to sleep, I'm going to die." And the parents are like, you have to go to sleep. You have to go to sleep. So this debate went on. And it went as far as them giving him sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. So after, according to what he was saying, after like three or four days, this kid finally falls asleep. And everyone's like, oh, thank God. They bring him up to bed. Um, and then a couple of hours later, everybody's woken up by this kid screaming. And as they kind of walk in, he's flailing all over the place. And then he just drops dead right there. That's crazy. So, and they, they can't figure out what happened. What they did find, though, is once they kind of, like, moved the kid and started, like, looking at what's going on, they found all the sleeping pills. They, he was hiding them underneath his bed. But they also found a uh, coffee machine that was plugged into his closet. So when, the, when you kind of really start getting into the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, those are two things that kind of come up constantly. The parents trying to tell you to go to sleep and the, um, the kid doing everything they can to stay awake, whether it's, like, Pills or coffee or freaking, you know, eating Salka. It's not Salka. Sanka or like whatever it is is keeping you awake. It's crazy. But that was real life. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that like Freddy Krueger killed that that uh, that Southeast Asian teenager. Right? At this point, Had that's to. the only logical solution. Yeah. I mean, what, what else could have happened, man? I'll tell you what. When I was a kid, and again, I was way too young to watch this movie. This is totally a Louise thing for me. But it's like, and I've told that story and like before of just like my parents being like, "Hey, you want to watch a tough shit? Like you, you have to deal with whatever you kind of deal with." But the <laughs> amount of nightmares I used to have in my life, thanks to this guy and thanks to this character, it's crazy. But because it plagued me for, I want to say it was years. Because not only did I watch it and for some reason continue to watch it, I kept watching the subsequent <laughs> sequels, which is just bananas. But yeah, that movie and you, fucked you me up. you wanted to be scared by Freddy. I guess there was a part of me that really did. That you know, it's I'm I'm a kind of guy, as you know, like I my imagination is captured relatively quickly, and then I'm all in. And um, that character totally did it for me. So when the moment came, that actually sat my kids down to watch this because I did sit them down to watch this, not as a bad parent, but like there was a curiosity there and we watch it together. Um, my thought was like, Oh my God, we're going to be dealing with these kids over the next couple of days. And both of them bounced back. Like it was nothing. It was just like, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, there you go. Your dad's a big wuss. You're like, there you go. Dad's just a pussy. I guess. <laughs> have you met Robert England? No, I, I have not. Which is a, okay. it's, it's. I've been in the same building as him, but his lines are so long. You have right. to like. You got to plan your day around it. Yeah, because from everything I've read, he's like a lovely man. <laughs> I've heard the same thing, and the guy just talks and talks and talks, and it doesn't like matter he, who he's talking to. <laughs> he looks creepy as fuck. Like Robert England without the makeup still creeps me out. <laughs> he's got a weirdness to. Even when he was young, he's kind of got a like anything you see. Like when he was in V, he just looks weird. Yeah, no, I'm with you. He looked he looks like Freddy Krueger. Oh yeah. And maybe that's it. He was he's plagued by that for the rest of his life. Okay, so <laughs> before we get into the scenes, because we gotta get into the scenes here, I have a I have a question which I think you have to ask this question. And we've kind of brought it up on a previous podcast, but didn't really get into anything in depth. So if you have to look at like the iconic I, there's a handful of like very iconic 
um, 80s and 90s horror uh, characters. For me, it's Freddy, it's Jason, Michael Myers, Chucky, yeah. and Pinhead. That's yeah. it. I don't, for some reason, Leatherface doesn't, he's not iconic to me. I know visually he looks iconic, but he never says anything. He's just like a big ass dude. I don't know why. He's not iconic to me. Right. I agree. So out of those 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 five, Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers, Chucky, and Pinhead, to you, who's the most iconic? It's Freddy. For me, it's it's Freddy, 100%. And I, I, agree. I think, yeah, I think we're both wrong, to be totally honest, because I think if you ask me who, like, if we're going to take a poll, um, I think it's going to be uh, Michael Myers. I think he's going to be above everybody else. But he's looked different in so many movies. Yeah. He doesn't look the same. So, again, if I'm talking about just, if I'm going movie for movie, if I'm just going to say Halloween 78, huh. you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street, we're going to go, what, I guess, Friday the 13th. Part two? Sure. Um, uh, part probably. three is when he got the mask. There you go. Part three. Right. You go Chucky, uh, you go Child's Play, and then you go the original uh, Hellraiser. Halloween is the best, and I think that he is the most terrifying to me because he's kind of the everyman. He's not yeah. supernatural. He's just a dude who's killing people. But yeah. totality, he looks different in every movie to me. So he's yeah. not as iconic. There's there's no consistency with Michael Myers. It's like when yeah. I shut my eyes at night, I don't think Michael Myers is going to come and uh, kill me. Uh, Michael Myers has a better shot of like, you know, smothering me to death as fat bastard than anything else. But like Michael exactly. Myers is not like factor into it. Um, and Jason Voorhees, like I was never in deep with those movies. Um, sure, so either. I was just maybe that's just kind of where you and I are coming from. And just to go back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I didn't see that movie until I was in my 30s. Okay. Because that was a kind of movie even my parents avoided. And when I finally sat down to watch it, I was like, shit, now I understand. Like, it, the level of being disturbed goes pretty deep in that movie. And it's not an enjoyable watch. No, no. So I think that's why Leatherface kind of falls off the map there. But Freddy's. I, I was going to say, I don't enjoy um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I didn't enjoy the remakes. It's a lot, man. It's a yeah. lot. There's a lot going on. There's a level of also like violence, but then also like sexual assault and just it's torture. Like I'm not into that stuff. I like horror no. movies very much. I don't like that type of horror movie. It's the it's like you could smell that movie. That's the thing like I kind of like always go back to. <laughs> there is just something about it. Like between yeah. the, the, the freaking the family and that, you know, the the you know, dinner scene and oh god, it's just yeah. that's it's a little bit too much for me. I'm but what Freddie brings is you have all the psychology behind him. You have his actual look, which is disturbing. You got the glove, which is so iconic. But what you also have is this kind of like great banter that Freddie gives, you know, yeah. you know, his just like the sticky lines that he says that makes him, forgive me, almost endearing that I think there's an attractiveness to that because he like there's a certain things that it's kind of funny and witty. But in the meantime, you're I mean, you're almost rooting for the bad guy because the kills are so good. And he definitely has the most personality of the group. Um, I mean, again, you could say Chucky has uh, – Chucky's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Um, but, again, it's more like slapsticky where I think, like you said, Freddy, it's it's witty, the banter back and forth. But he's also, like, super creepy. And then also he's, like, very sinister. Like, he'll fucking kill you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just get a lot more depth, I think, to that character. 
especially in the first one, again, where he's not not on screen much. He's in the shadows quite a bit, but you still get like that. His first line, I think, is uh, what, what, what isn't his first line about God? Um, something about oh, this is, this God. is God. Yeah, she says, yeah. "My oh my God!" She's like, "This yeah. is God." Something to that effect. There's a lot of yeah. weird in those first two. There's a lot of like weird throwaway lines. It's like, what the hell does that mean? But it still it still works though, because I don't know what oh, it yeah. means, but I'm like, this guy's fucking scary. And that kind of like speaking of that scene, because that's a great scene too. She's like, yeah. that's that's what starts that whole Tina kills scene. Um, so she comes downstairs and she sees something outside. And this is where kind of like the mythos happens of like, dude, if you see something outside, stay inside. Don't go outside. But all these idiots go outside. Yeah, this, and, this movie is like there's a lot of rules that are broken that end up being like, again, they talk about it in Scream. You know, don't be promiscuous. Uh, don't say I'll be right back. There's these very specific rules that this movie is one of the movies that like kind of founded that. Sure, you got to. Because yeah. and they were, that, that was the consistency between them. But there's a scene that that opening Fred Krueger scene that he's like he turns the corner you get the great shadow, and yep. then the next line is his, his the next scene is his arms kind of like extending out, right. And it always became this thing of it freaked me out when I was a kid, but I couldn't tell you why. And I watched this the other night to get ready for this. It just looks hokey and stupid. But for some reason, it just it worked when it needed to work. But now it just kind of looks goofy. There's no reason for it, right? There's no reason yeah. for it except for him. It's kind of the it's it's the catalyst for him to be able to scrape his the razors against the wall as he's yep. walking. But like you don't, he could just be standing next to the wall and sure. walking. And the only thing I can think of is they're trying to make him look like so intimidating by being huge but he's not huge he's got like like fucking inspector gadget arms sure yeah it yeah. just it looks goofy <laughs> all right you want to get into the scenes let's do it let's do it do it so most watchable scenes and again i i'm going to i'm going to go back to it in a little bit these are the the total scenes that i think are kind of the best of the movie but these are not the best moments to me of the movie the best moments are individual very quick you know, you have the the bathtub. You have Freddie's face coming through the wall at the beginning over wow. um, uh, fuck is her name over Nancy. Uh, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Those are like the best moments of the movie, but they're not scenes, so I didn't put them in here. So okay. you have the opening scene, which we talked about the construction of the glove, uh, Robert England's creepy ass voice. Like that's just a great way to start the movie. And if I'm not mistaken, they start it in like a three four format. Yeah, and it's very yeah. much pulled into that. And then as the movie progresses, it goes into a widescreen. Yep, which I thought was very smart. Um, so you have that scene. Then you have the "This is God" scene, which we just talked about. That's the first time you actually see Freddy, and then Tina floating around the room as she's getting butchered again. Probably the most violent part of the movie, and yeah. the most unsettling to me. Sure. Uh, then you have the first time they're in the boiler room. So that's the first time Nancy sees him, and yep. she's trying to get away. And she's in school, and she gets the burn on her arm, and there's the there's the line of, uh, what does she say? She says, uh, I can't remember you're exactly what Nancy's. Yes, thank you, thank you. You're not yep. real, you're not real. Um, he does the little, the tongue flicker, <laughs> which is just creepy, <laughs> super creepy. Yeah. Then the next scene for me is, uh, so Nancy tries to confront Freddie, so that's when she tells uh, Glenn, like, hey, stay awake. I'm going to go in. Glenn falls asleep. She goes and sees uh, the fucking guy at in jail. Yep. Sees Freddy, goes home. So that whole scene. Love it. Yep. Uh, 
And then to me, maybe the most iconic death scene of any movie ever, Glenn's death. So when Johnny Depp gets pulled through the, the waterbed, you ever have a waterbed? Nope, never had a waterbed. I've never even water sat on a waterbed. I had a waterbed like growing up that was like, I think just like given like, hey, this was this guy. This was my brother's. Now it's yours and you're going to have it for X. Fucking weird, dude. <laughs> could you like, even sleep water... on the thing? You could sleep on it, but it was just like, there's a lot going on. Like I, whoever <laughs> thought a waterbed was a great idea. It was the height of luxury in the 80s. You ever, so you never had a waterbed. Do you know how you had to like, you had to like put a hose in it and like suck the water out what? and get a flow and then push, pull it over like the window so it would suck the water out when you had to move. Wait, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you had the waterbed, right? And when you moved, like how do you get the water out of this big ass bed? Yeah. So essentially you'd have to put a hose and like you're like siphoning water out. Ew. And then once you get the flow, you like put it out the window so the water's just like pushing out all day. Uh, my so, so it's my like dad, a plastic mattress? Is that really it's like a vinyl it's almost it's like, like a, a vinyl, vinyl mat- thing? Yeah, so so what it is, at least mine, you have the bed frame, and then you had like this insert that would go around it that was like a heater. Oh. And that would heat up the water in the bed. Also weird. Yeah, and then you had the water bed, which is just like a big, I don't even know what you call it, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And thank God I didn't have it like as a teenager when I was into girls and maybe had girls over because like that would just be awkward, right? Yeah, you would knock her right off the bed. Yeah. yeah. So It yeah, must man, have been hot as balls on that thing because nothing's not mo- there's no air's moving. No air's moving. It's not comfortable. It's great when it's like the winter and it's cold. But yeah. then in the summer, you're just like, no, no, that just it, it sounds it sounds awful. Um, and J- yeah, Johnny Depp also awful as well. But that's the other funny thing about that scene is like Johnny Depp is in full 80s mode right there. He's okay. got like the half cut jersey. He's got the TV <laughs> on his crotch. He's got like the I'm working outside headphones. It's amazing. And that I have that specifically in does this still work? That is like the big catalyst. I. I got a, I got a lot to say about that scene, and not so much the scene, but like the set decorating. Right. Awesome. All right. So then we, like I said, we have Glenn's death, uh, most <coughs> iconic death scene. You know who originally was cast to play Glenn before Depp? I heard a whole list, but who who did they get? Who did they get down to? So specifically, they offered it to Charlie Sheen, and we're in the negotiation, like you know, stage of it. But he wanted like twice as much as everybody else to be in this movie. What? Which I, was Charlie Sheen like a thing then? No, in the early '80s, other than being Mar- um, you know Martin Sheen's son, I can't imagine yeah. he was doing anything. It was everything after that. Yeah. So apparently, Depp got the got the job because Wes Craven gave his daughter the headshots of everybody who was like in the final list, and she's like, "This guy, you got to pick this guy." But what's funny is like Brad Pitt read for the role. Yep. And got kind of bounced over. And there was another, like, good-looking, talented guy that came in. And his name's kind of escaping me. You remember who it was? No, no. I saw I saw Pitt and I saw uh, Charlie Sheen. I did not see another one. There was another one that bounced in. And it was another thing, like, who went on to be a very successful actor. So I guess whoever got that role, whoever was ended up being Glenn, was kind of guaranteed as the best actor in the movie. It's funny because, I mean, Depp is such a... I mean, he's unbelievably attractive when he's that age, right? And then through like the, the mid to late '90s, such a handsome guy. Sure. And such a great actor. 
Yeah. And it makes that, me so sad what he's like turned into. It's too, he just, he was up there with uh, Aerosmith the other day playing guitar. But yeah. he's like, it's, it. he's he's become a, he's Nicolas Cage now. I hate to make that comparison, but unfortunately, I think we're on that road, is that he's just not, he's a caricature of, of who he was. And some people that works, some people doesn't. Christopher Walken, it works great. But Johnny Depp, we were holding, you know, we were hoping for a little bit more longevity to. Johnny Depp, I think, hit that level of fame that is just, you just become eccentric and weird and you become like Howard Hughes, right? right. I mean, he was, Pirates 1, that Pirates of Caribbean, like, start, dude, he was, like, stratospheric famous. Like, sure. the most famous person in the world, probably. And at and that point, like, what do you guy. do? Super what talented. Unbelievable. never I mean, found, like, I mean, traffic... Was it Traffic? No, it wasn't Traffic. No. It, yeah, the cocaine movie. Wasn't that Traffic? No, no. Uh, Blow. Blow, excuse me. I mean, that felt like his, his like best, most normal kind of role. Um, and even that, I mean, he had his quirks in it. But he just became yeah. too famous for being too weird. And he would take on these kind of great roles. And I really do think, like, if you look back at the career of Johnny Depp, holy cow, you got some great things in there. Of but course. But it's just... He held on to that for too long, and now he's typecasted as that. He'll never get that just kind of like, you know, regular no. actor chops role anymore. No, no. Johnny Depp doesn't get like a normal, hey, have some nuance and have some subtleties right. in this movie. He doesn't get that. Right. I think the last two movies I very much liked that he was in is I liked Sweeney Todd a lot. But again, it's a musical about a fucking butcher or a, a barber who's murdering people. Right. So obviously pretty eccentric. And then I actually liked Public Enemies, where he oh, played uh, John Dillinger. Wasn't yeah. terrible. It was decent. You know, Christian Bale was in it. Jason Clark. Uh, it wasn't bad. Yeah, but and that again, was a, that was a fun movie too. Yeah, I think it could have been it could have been better, but it wasn't because of him, and it wasn't because of Bale. It was just I think because of some of the, you know, the directing, and then I think just think some of the story choices weren't great. But I I enjoyed that, and he played a normal, not albeit gangster, but he was it was fine. If you're feeling nostalgic for like some Johnny Depp stuff, I couldn't recommend 21 Jump Street enough, especially <laughs> on the rewatches, because it is so like early 90s, like ridiculous. But I mean, Johnny Depp, even in those days, was standing out. I mean, I go if I'm going if I'm nostalgic for Johnny Depp, which at one point before Pirates, he was like up there from one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going. Edward Scissorhands. I'm definitely going Ed Wood, obviously. Sure. I'm going Blow. I like Donnie Brasco quite a bit. Um, I mean, he's got his catalog is pretty, pretty serious. Yeah, it, it's prior to it's being eccentric. Yeah, yeah, it's too. Bad. As soon as he took Johnny on Depp Willy Wonka, were... I can't do it. Yeah, that's Willy Wonka, and then the Alice in Wonderland movies, and it yeah. ju- I think that's when it became just like, what is happening? And he's trying to help out his boy Tim Burton, who's also in that boat. Yeah, but, um, I'm with you. Uh, it's too bad. I would love to meet Johnny Depp in my life. I would love to sit down and talk to Johnny Depp because I think he's got some stories to tell. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's too bad. It's too bad. Breaks I mean, the, the pro- heart, man. The, the problem now, you know, is he's he allegedly was was beating up his wife, and now he yeah. he kind of has that Aqua stigma. Girl. And I, I I hope it's not. I hope that's not the case that he didn't do that, but or that he did. You know, I'm, I'm just hoping that he wasn't involved with that, but. It looks like he was, and that sucks, and he's going to be kind of cast as that forever now. 
Yep. Which he should yeah. be if he did that. I mean, he absolutely, absolutely. should be. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. His his talent shouldn't outweigh his moral obligations. And no. Don't be a dick. No, man. No. Yeah. Uh, and then the last scene is the last scene of the movie. Freddy yeah. versus Nancy. Long yeah. scene. Sure. And then this movie might have the ending that confuses me still the most out of any ending of any movie ever. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh-huh. So let me recap the scenes. I know we kind of went off a little bit. Sure. So you have the opening scene, construction of the glove. I Love call it. it. This is the this is God scene. The first time you see him, boiler yep. room scene. Yep. Nancy tries to confront Freddy the first time. Glenn's death and Freddy versus Jason. Or excuse me, Freddy versus Nancy. The final <laughs> final scene. I think what those are great. I yeah, those are your your big kind of like uh, parts in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. You have one that you like specifically more I than got, any of the others. W- the one I want to dig into here a little bit is the boiler room scene because I, that's a complicated series of events. Yeah. Um, that starts with what I think is one of the more disturbing pieces when um, Nancy is just falling asleep in class and she turns and looks out the door into the hallway and you get Tina out there in the body bag and it's right. like covered in blood and she's reaching out to her and like, oh, my God, you want to talk about like iconic scenes. I mean, there's one right there. Yeah. And what it's it becomes those things of like. You know it's not real because how does one react? So I remember in the scene, so she she sees that, she looks over to it, and then she starts looking around to see if anybody else sees it. But in the meantime, everyone's just focused on the kid reading Hamlet, and at that point, that kid is, like, speaking very oddly, so she clearly knows she's in a dream. Right. Goes out there, finds her, has that whole kind of, like, ghost piece that she's getting dragged down the hallway. All of this stuff is amazing. But the best part of the scene is she turns the corner and she hits the hall monitor. <laughs> yep. yep. Hits the ground. And the first thing out of the kid's mouth as like blood's coming down her nose is, where's your hall pass? So I like very much relate to that. <laughs> I think that's awesome. But in this, the sweater, by the way. In the sweater, which makes it great. No running in the hallways. And that's yep. another great line from this movie. But um, again, coming from my particular job, a, the thought of a kid wandering around the bowels of a school, and I'm going to tell you firsthand what you're seeing in that movie as far as what like goes on you know, in the boiler room downstairs, short of like open flames everywhere, it looks like that. It Does is, it really? Oh, my God. It is super weird. It is. Everything is really very dimly lit. Everything is very industrial looking. You have things and noises kind of happening all around you. It is some scary shit down there. So it's like, I totally get where that's coming from. Can't install some lights? It is. I, in our particular case, I mean, we we're I'm working in a pretty old building. There's a, the, the floor in the basement is fucking dirt. (laughs) What the fuck? Oh, it is creepy as hell. And being like a six foot three guy with like a five foot five clearing, I can't even walk normal down there. I'm just kind of like all this. When you go um, down there, are you creeped out? I'm super creeped out. You have no idea. You have no idea. No, I do. I can understand. As a little side story, um, we were, the kid is fine. Let, Let me begin the story with the kid is fine. Um, we were okay. looking for a kid <laughs> and we're, we looked around the whole building. It was one of those things. All of a sudden this kid just went poof. And we're like, what the hell is this kid? 
And um, as we're kind of wandering around, kind of looking in this, looking over here, looking over here, looking. Meanwhile, the kid wasn't even in the building. The kid was like on a bus on the way to school. It was just a lack okay. of communication, but does which is an important piece for my like job, but not for the story. So as we're walking around, we see one door that's open that I'm like, what the hell is this? And I open the damn door up. And sure enough, it is the steps to the basement where all this shit is. And I'm like, <laughs> well, this is the start did- of a horror movie. And I was like, well, could he have gone down there? And they're like, was the door open? And I was like, it was unlocked. And they're like, he could have. And I open the door and I'm like, where the hell's the light switch? And they're like, well, there should be lights on down there. And I go down there. I'm like, oh, my God. So I creep down there for a little bit. And it is straight out of a horror movie. So, like, all of that shit is real. (laughs) Oh, my God. Not my best day. No, man. I'm I'm not doing it. I don't (laughs) know how I'm. I don't know how I'm acting like an adult at that point. I'm full freaked out right there. Yeah. I mean, I when I have to go into my attic sometimes, I'm like, eh, fuck. Yeah. Right. Because there's just who the hell knows about, what's up there? Yeah, there's something about light. There's not enough light to, like, filter th- or go through the whole space. Then you have boxes in the way, but you're like, sure. what is that shadow? What did I hear? It's not so much I think somebody's up there, which I did at one point think somebody was up in my nice. attic. Um, but it's like, is there an animal up there? Oh, animal jumps and kills you and rips your face off. Sure. I I was a hundred. If we're going to talk about creepy stories real quick, um, I was a hundred percent either con- convinced my wife was having an affair, or somebody was living in my attic, because in the in the in our second bedroom, the bathroom that's attached is a stand up shower with obviously like the glass door. Sure. And like any normal human being, we squeegee it when we're done in the shower so we don't get water spots because California has terrible water. Anyways. I would take a shower in there in the morning, squeegee it down, and we're good. So I came home from work one day. My wife is at work as well. And, like, the bottom portion still has water spots all over. Like, what? newly wet water spots. Ew! So I was like, what the fuck? So I called Damien. And I'm like, hey, because this is when Damien, um, he would come to my house sometimes and stay for a couple days in a row. I, he might have even had a key. Hey, man, did you did you use the shower? Did you come over by chance? No, no, not me. Okay. That's weird. Um, so I called, I called my wife and I said, Nick, like, what's, is it, did you have somebody over here? Like, did a friend come over? What's going on? No, 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 nothing. So the next thing that goes to my head was like, someone is living in my attic, coming oh. down when we leave and taking a shower. <laughs> At least they're clean. <laughs> like what other reasonable, reasonable, what other reason is there? Uh, right. So went up there and I was like, fuck, here we go. Pull the ladder down, walk up there, turn on the light. I'm looking around. I got a lantern. I don't see anything. I don't see anywhere that someone could be sleeping or anything. So I come down, clean it up. And then like, not like four or five days later, it's there again. What? So Do you have a leak in happening, the shower? I feel like well, a leak in the shower. Happening, we, we realized that built up pressure would, would happen. Mm. And then when we turned it off every now and again, and I actually like saw slash heard it happen, water would push out of the, the faucet head at some point. But... Had me convinced, man. Someone was in my attic. <laughs> and they weren't courteous enough to squeegee the freaking door. Those and animals. I'm, I'm just thinking they were like friends. Like they get, they come down. I go to work. Nick goes to work. They come down. Harry knows who they are at this point. Harry's buddies <laughs> with them. Like I had this whole thing, dude, in my head. Well, you should have made a movie out of it. <laughs> so your favorite scene is right, then, so, I'm assuming, the boiler scene. So that that whole sequence is like my favorite. When I think the movie, I think all of that stuff. Um, but you know, if we're going to kind of go for scenes for scene here, 
The another scene that I kind of I always get a giggle at because I think it's a fun scene is when um, Glenn calls his mother and is like <laughs> trying to like convince her that he's staying at yeah. like his friend's house by the airport and he's got like the tape recorder going on in the background with this big ass boombox. Right, it's amazing. So but slightly like, turned away from the phone and uh, it's a rotary phone too. Kids, yeah, look it that is. up. Look up the rotary phone. <laughs> You'll see it. You'll be amazed. So like that's a fun scene. And the scene that I, I I do like, but it just doesn't fit the movie very well is, as you said, it's the, the Nancy versus Freddy scene, but it's when she goes around and she sets up all the booby traps. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's fun and it's clever and it's kind of interesting and she's got the books, you know, the, the booby trap book. But when she's setting it up, it just, it doesn't, fe- it feels like that's where the movie goes off the rails a little bit. A little bit. Like, yeah. But it's a but, short time. Again, this movie I don't think is long enough to go off the rails. Yeah, yeah. But if we're going like to pinpoint thing, a scene, it's when yeah. he gets hit with a sledgehammer. And he's fine. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I actually wrote this down as I was watching the movie, and I just wrote, this movie escalates really quickly. <laughs> like, it starts with like, oh, we're just going to school. We're hanging out. Oh, I had a weird dream. Oh, that's weird. I had a dream too, but I don't really want to talk about it because everybody dreams. Fifteen minutes later, like half of you are dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- that's what you get for not uh, listening to Tina when she's trying to warn all of you people. Wait, actually, because that becomes a whole overarching theme, which is someone told me this or I heard it and it just became this like, oh, what a great way to kind of think about it. Sure. Um, somewhere in the movie they talk about, and I think it's Tina, saying like, hey, maybe we're getting ready for a weird, uh, like a big earthquake because people yeah. dream weird right before it's about to happen. So what I had slash heard slash read was that the entire movie is the dream sequence. And Hmm. it's Nancy dreaming about this stuff that is going to happen. And she's like helpless to kind of tell people that that she's aware of it and this thing is actually coming. So the movie actually, quote unquote, begins with that last scene. So the first kill ends up being when all the kids are in the car and they're driving away, which I thought was kind of like an interesting, interesting play on it. Yeah. It's interesting. So that was a fun scene. Um, but one of my other favorite scenes is actually right after that scene when uh, Freddie drags the mother through like the two inch hole in the uh, door. <laughs> it's like a blow up doll. And it's a blow up doll. It's amazing. <laughs> and even like when I was a little kid watching it on like VHS with like the tracking all screwed up, even I then was just like, that doesn't look real. <laughs> it looks like a rubber glove. But and, um, and now as you see it in like, you know, 4K and it's all there. It's just it's ridiculous, but it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun little scene. So my my favorite scene, I it's it's Glenn's death, right? Because mm. I think again that's just so iconic. And then you're when you when Johnny Depp ends up being who Johnny Depp is, you're like, holy shit, that's Johnny Depp. Right. Holy shit, that's a crazy scene. But it's all led it the the lead up of Nancy calling him. Don't forget, don't fall asleep. Right. Whatever right. you do, don't fall asleep. Looking through the fucking bars, <laughs> and then just. His fucking terrible parents. That's the that's yeah. an overall that's an over the, the overarching like storyline or not storyline but just the 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 parents in this movie. All the parents suck. All the they parents suck, suck in this movie. Yeah, they're horrible. But his parents movie. especially. Like, let's take the phone off the hook. Yeah, like, your kid's about to turn into fucking soup. Right. Maybe listen to somebody. <laughs> so that's it for me. But I think again, I talked about it a little bit ago. So the there's amazing moments in this movie. Um, and the first one that always comes to mind is Freddie coming through the wall, 
over Nancy. The crucifix falls. I think that's just a super cool Love looking it. scene. Yo, yeah. Um, the tub, which is overtly like sexual. Yeah. I don't know why. Like at no point do I need to see Nancy, who's supposed to be a teenager, like spread eagle in the fucking tub. But whatever. <laughs> and we get boobs um, in that scene. Are there? Yeah, there's boobs uh, when they when they kind of bring her down under the water. Oh, that's get true. Boobs. That's true. Okay. Um, Tina floating. <laughs> Again, I think it's just a cool oh. moment. Yep. The waterbed, cool moment. Sure. The tongue phone. <laughs> the tongue phone. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then the stairs. When she, when Nancy's running up the stairs and she's mm-hmm. sinking into each stair, those are just like kind of quintessential horror movie moments. And some of the best, I think, if you had to say, hey, what are your favorite moments in any horror movie? Like some of those are going to be in there, if not all those. Sure. Yeah. And they're and they're beautifully done. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more of the scene behind the bed. If we're going to like, if you had to cut this movie to just one frame, I think that's the scene right there. The, she's sleeping in bed. I don't know why they didn't make this the uh, the movie poster, but who the hell am I? But her just kind of sleeping there and him coming through, how it is lit, how it looks, it is amazing. Yeah. And they try to recreate it in the remake and it looked like shit. I agree. But this and was the, fantastic. Again, the crucifix, the cross on the wall falling while he's doing it is, for whatever reason, a nice touch. Even though this yeah. movie doesn't have really any, like, religious undertones, I don't think. Right. Uh, no, it doesn't. I still think that moment is is cool, and I think that's a cool little part. Do you, uh, what's the song, Rob? Do you know the uh, the steps of the song that they that little kids sing? Which anytime you... kids are singing in the movie, it's creepy. No, just, in any movie, just, you would just want to strangle yourself. Yeah, it's one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, right. four, better lock your door. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, better stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. Holy shit! There you, go. you know it's what? Else? I mean, it's seven, eight, gonna stay up late, but it's fine. Oh, what did I say? You Whatever didn't say I that, said. but it's fine. Right. Close it's enough. funny how that shit creepy. sticks in your head. But that's the thing. It's like it just scarred me uh, for life. But then again, the other day at like soccer, I was singing the Gumby TV show theme like perfectly <laughs> as we went through. They're like, how do you know the entire theme song? It's like, I don't know. It's just taking up room there in my head. But yeah. anyway. So there you go. And and you're probably pushing out other valuable information by remembering that. Oh, like survival skill stuff, like how to make fire, you know, but I have the Gumby theme stuck in my head. I'm good. I mean, that's something. Well, yeah. I, I don't know why we need children singing in this movie, but oh, it works and it's it. super oh, creepy. So good. And the idea that those are the kids that he like murdered yeah. and they become like the symbol, you know, throughout the series of like warning. I love that stuff. That's stuff. but it's super creepy, but it's amazing. But they don't there's no reference to that. If you're looking at just this movie, there's no yeah. reference to where those kids are or why they're Correct. there. Correct. Yeah. yeah. No, they they right. mention the they mention the rhyme. Here's like a fun little fact about the rhyme is that Wes Craven wrote the rhyme, but mm-hmm. there's a certain like melody that goes one, two, ready, right. there's a certain melody that comes with it. It was Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend who came up with like the little melody that went along with it, which was used to actually create the theme song. The whatever, the, it's not yeah. coming into my head there. But I thought that was like a fun little fact. It's like your random boyfriend, you know, came up with this very iconic sound that goes through <laughs> all of these movies. Gets no credit whatsoever. But it's iconic, and I want to talk about it in a little bit. Yep. Standout performance. So, mm. I mean, it's going to be Robert England, but Robert England is Freddie. You know, yep. you have uh, 
Heather Langenkamp as Nancy. Again, we we have some issues with her performance, but again, she's the she's the lead and she kind of carries the movie. She does yeah. the mo- I mean, she's in a majority of the scenes. And then even though Johnny Depp isn't in it a ton, he's in it I think just as much if not more than any of the other uh teenagers. Sure. Again, watching him, you're like, "Okay, this guy has the best chops of everybody and is probably going to be a star." Yeah. 100%. But it's got to be it's got to be Robert England, right? The the standout is going to be Robert England by by any stretch. The my second one because again, I like Heather Langenkamp is like fine, um, sure. but she's not kind of like I'm not watching that being blown away by all that stuff. But <laughs> sorry, but my wife is leaving, so goodbye. Have fun, drive safe. <laughs> she's not driving. Um, love you. <laughs> Thank you for letting me podcast. Um, the other standout performance is John Saxon, who I love in this, who plays, um, you know, Officer Thompson, her uh, Nancy's father. And John Saxon, for those of you who don't know who this guy is, because he's fucking amazing, is he plays, oh, the character name is kind of not popping into my head, but in um, Enter the Dragon, in that famous Bruce Lee movie, he actually right. plays one of his partners, and it's amazing in it. But, he um, has a John very Saxon specific look. Yo, very yeah. specific look. <laughs> Middle-aged, Great eyebrows. Man. Yeah, great Tremendous eyebrows. Tremendous eyebrows. We should be so lucky. <laughs> But he's uh, worst, uh, he's great in it. Yeah, worst performance. It's I oh, only I got, got one person. Good. Because there's a lot of people who overact. It's a lot going on. But yeah. uh, I don't know how to pronounce her first name. Roni or Ronnie. Ronnie. Uh, Blakely yep. as the yep. mom. I yep. fucking can't. She's terrible, dude. Terrible. terrible. I and don't that... understand how nobody was like, what are you doing? Like, what are you trying to do? What's your face doing? That you're. <laughs> this is terrible, man. Are you even Terrible. acting? I feel like you're no. not acting. Do you want to try no. acting? And supposedly, so what the story goes is her and John Saxon were like two veteran actors that they were able to get on this no. to like elevate all of the acting, but she fucking blows. Dude, she I has, there's, there's no empathy. Your child no. is telling you. The scenes with her and uh, Charles uh, Fleischer. Yeah. Yeah. When they're in the, when she's doing like the, the, the dream study and they're doing the sleep pattern. It's un it's borderline unwatchable, dude. Right. It's like they just they look like they're reading like the cue cards are off off screen and they're just read it's so there's no empathy, there's no like hey, my daughter is going through some shit. None of that. It's terrible. But the best thing about that scene is that she's smoking in the middle of the MRI, which I think is hilarious yeah. to this day. Yeah. But it's she really does she brings nothing to it in even her redeeming quote-unquote scene, which is the last scene. That Nancy walks out and everything's back to normal again, and she's finally sober. It's supposedly the only time she's sober in this movie. She just—it's like, oh my god! Are, do you even know what the lines are? I couldn't agree with you more yeah. that that is the worst actor in the movie. Hundred percent. What's up with her creepy ass basement? Like she's in a house, she got a creepy basement, and then you're gonna keep Freddie's fucking glove. <laughs> <laughs> like, and what—that's what, what's funny. She keeps it in the firebox of the boiler. Yeah. In a rag that is yeah. dry as shit. So how yeah. is this thing not lit on fire and like her not be concerned about it are two great questions. I'm I'm and, not gonna I'm not gonna poke a lot of holes in a nightmare on Elm Street. Right. Okay. Like there's a lot a of one. there's a lot of things. But this this bothers me. That this whole thing bothers me quite a bit. I just really can't stand the parents, dude. I the almost I almost feel like all the parents in this movie are the actual villains and Freddie, like you said, <laughs> a little charming. But you're like <laughs> You sympathize with him a little bit. I don't know why in this movie, but you're like, okay, D- 
did he kill the people? I don't know. Did he kill the kids? I'm not sure. But I know all the parents went to the dude who is, I don't know, like the uh, the gypsy of the town, and you guys literally lit him on fire. Yes, that was it. It was, they put some, there was a group on Facebook that they all came together on. Yeah. And it started with like, hey, put more signs in the playground. And it ended up, let's burn this guy at like in his boiler room. Like that's, I feel like the the the, the, the blueprint that they followed. Yeah. But the, the parents are unsympathetic. And I think that's a piece of it too, of what makes the movie work is that you can't even go to your parents. You can't go to people of authority. You can't even go to the police because no one will believe you. And even though no. you are in jail by yourself under guard, you're still going to get killed. So it's where'd just... He, where'd, he get a, where'd he get a t-shirt and, and shoes from? Because he's running around with a leather jacket and jeans on when he gets caught by the cops. Yeah. Then when he's in there, before he gets hung, he's got a white t-shirt and shoes on. <laughs> where'd he get that outfit? It's funny they let him keep the jacket, which is kind of funny. But it's like, all right, well, we can't have this guy just walking around with no shoes on and no shirt. So, like, here's the T-shirt from this guy and here's socks from a guy yeah. that died. It's just, who knows? Who knows? But great. The scene. Jamie Foxx Award for overacting. <sighs> it's every it's every adult in this movie to me. It's really everybody <laughs> to me except for Depp <laughs> and, and maybe Robert England. Everybody's get, right. dialing it up a couple notches. But, again, the parents are all like, hey, this is how you're going to act. You guys are all pissed off parents. You're all overprotective, but you're also all a little drunk, maybe. This is how I want you to act. And that's how they all acted. Johnny Depp's father. Ah, uh, this fucking guy. As he's leaning on his front post, just staring at the house after the mother put the bars on the window and is just being shitty of just yeah. like, that girl is fucking crazy and he, she can't come to my, she can't like hang out with my kid anymore. I mean, I think that's the guy. Because I've also, been there too. That the mother picks up the phone like, oh well, she's not. He's not available. Why don't you call him later? And he picks up the phone like a freaking, you know, like uh, whatever. And he's just like, don't call here anymore. You got to be strict. And it hangs up that damn phone. Fuck that guy. He gets but, the Jamie Foxx award. Are there also like two actors that like, hey, let's cast them, and they're going to be Johnny Depp's parents, Ooh. but they're not actually. There's no way these two people birthed Johnny Depp. Well, I actually like, disagree with that, and I'm going to tell you why. Here we go. My wife and I have a thought. Mm. It's all right. So here's the thought. The thought is, in order to keep kind of nature progressing naturally, <laughs> um, two ugly people, when they come together, will produce very good-looking offspring. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you get two incredibly good-looking people together – they have very ugly offspring. Mm. So I think that's kind of part of the formula. So it's just, I'm just saying. Like I mean, my kid's, my kid's pretty cute. Yeah. So I don't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pretty good-looking guy, and Heidi is a pretty good-looking woman, and we have outstandingly good-looking kids. Um, so, you know, we might be falling into this formula, but mm. – not just good looking. Like we, you, you and I are very attractive people. You, our wives are beautiful women, and it's. I'm not talking our level of good looking, but you know, people that you meet that are uncomfortably good looking. So, like those are the people I'm talking about. Not to sound shitty, and oh god, I don't, I don't even know if I want to go down this route. Oh, let's go down the road. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, Ryan Gosling and yeah. uh, his wife uh, Eva yeah. Mendez. 
Eva yeah. Mendes, is that his wife's name? Very attractive. Oh, yeah. Kid not very cute. But that's the formula in play. Two unbelievably or unrealistically good-looking people come together. Nature says ugly kid produces ugly kid. But it, That's I what mean, happens. All right. We're going to move on from this. All right. But that's just my formula. <laughs> so there you go. And people, right. if you're listening, think about the people you know. <laughs> and think if you have two oh, uncomfortably good-looking people, they probably have an ugly kid. You don't have to come out and say it, but you know what I'm talking about. All right. I'm done. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Who did the most with the least? Ah. I got one thing, and it's not an actor. It's the score. I think the score ah. is very subtle, and I think the score is understated, but the score works beautifully. If the score, to me, his theme specifically, doesn't work, the movie falls flat. Yep. The first 15 minutes of this movie, again, the score is pretty heavily involved, and it works every moment of the movie. Yep. That's, that's a great, great suggestion on that because you couldn't be more right. That score had to carry all of these movies throughout all of their kind of goods and bads. And it becomes, it's almost like the Jaws theme. Yeah. But the difference is it does, you hear that it's not so much the villain you hear from that music as much as it's the victims you hear from the music, which makes it so creepy. Couldn't so agree would, more. That's fantastic. It's funny how, though, that a lot of horror movies, and I do consider Jaws kind of a horror movie, mm-hmm. um, have these iconic uh, themes, these sure. scores, but these these moments. You have, you know, Michael Myers, the the theme of that. You have the 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 noise slash theme of like Jason Voorhees, Freddy Krueger, Bruce the Shark. Like you have these moments and these these themes that work so well, and I don't know that you really get that anymore as much. No, no, not at all, as a matter of fact, because it it becomes the thing, like, we make these very broad statements, I especially make these very broad statements of, like, these things don't seem to be occurring, but maybe it's occurring at a much smaller level that we're just not seeing these movies, could, but I, I agree be. with you. Yeah. Um, all right, so but, then we have, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, my answer to that is John Saxon, because I okay. feel like they just wheeled this guy out and was like, all right, well, you're the dad, and you're kind of a prick, and, like, go act. But there, there's a certain level of like, like he's just as shitty as every other parent in this as far as it's like, you'll be fine. Don't worry. But there's a little piece of him in like the back of his head that he's just like, maybe there's something there. Maybe it's something I got to keep an eye on. But he's just not quite convinced. So I think he would be my uh, doing the most with the least. But then, you know, he's, hey, my daughter calls me is in a is a wreck after her boyfriend's dad saying, hey, I'm going to get this guy. Come get me in 20 minutes. Like, you have to promise. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Hey, uh, you know, Johnny fucking junior cop. Go stand over there and watch my kid. Make sure nothing's happening. Uh, he, you know, your daughter seems to be breaking windows, running around. Sure. That's Ten, maybe maybe 10 minutes worth. Keep an eye. Maybe, maybe I should go get my maybe I should go get, you know, the lieutenant. No, or I'm right across the street and we're in a building filled with cops. Maybe I'll just take that two minutes to walk over and be like, hey. Correct. But then again, mother, batshit crazy and a drunk. Just saying. Yeah, but then locking the children in the house with bar. I don't know, man. Again, the parents are terrible. terrible parents are terrible. 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 All right. So does this still hold up? Oh. This movie's super 80s. Like painfully 80s. Everything from the rotary phone. It's just, it's terribly 80s. The effects, some work really well. Yep. Rubber doll being pulled through a you know a, a, a window in the door doesn't work. Yep. 
but specifically Glenn's room. <laughs> and as you said, he's got the 80s, the half shirt. He's got the high socks, the short shorts, the 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 television that he has on his bed. Like who's ever done that, by the way? <laughs> the big headphones, his hair, all of the decorations in his room. Super, super, super 80s. And you're like, this is a period piece. It's oh, so without 80s. a doubt. Uh, yeah, it's that we're we're drowning in both hair and outfits and <laughs> rooms. Yes, that is. It is. It holds up well in its themes and your yeah. kind of dissection of it. But like I said, I showed both these two kids this movie, and they weren't nearly as freaked out as I was. And maybe they were distracted by hair. Maybe they were distracted by teeth. But either way, it was just it didn't impact them as much as it impacted me. So no. does it hold so up? I- uh, uh, yeah, for me, it's just it's more of the overall just 80s theme. Like, it's all very painstakingly the 80s. Right. Totally. And then we have the next category. This does still hold up. So for me, it's Freddy Krueger. The idea of Freddy, the, the, how iconic he is, the look of him, everything still holds up to this day. You could remake this movie, which they've done, and it still, he still works. I don't know if the movie works. Yeah. And it's got to be the right he, too. It, there's, there's a lot of things that... That worked for this movie that, you know, if you kind of mix it up and, and don't have the right formula together, it will not work. And sure. not only is it the, the remake, but there are the there are the sequels that are just, they don't work. And so, um, yeah. Let's talk about those a little bit because sure. I do not like any of the sequels at all. I'm oh. not a fan of any of them. You said you like some of them. So let's sure. just give me a few minutes on what you like, what you don't like, which ones you do like, why you like them. And you said specifically Dream Warriors you like better than this, right? Yeah. Yes. Let's hear it. Why? Why Dream Warriors, which is number three? Yeah. So my my ranking, for those of you who are keeping count, is three, one. So the third one, Dream Warriors, one of the original. Um, Two, unfortunately, Freddy's (laughs) Revenge is coming into a third, and I'll explain that in a minute. Uh, New Nightmare, which was that Wes Craven one. Uh, Four, Dream Warriors, Five, that stupid child, uh, 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 dream child, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah. Um, Freddy's dead, and at the bottom, Freddy versus Jason, because that thing was just fucking stupid. Um, but but on it. three, there's a lot of things going on in three, and we talk about iconography and the things that are kind of like Freddy. Well, I, I think a lot of that shit happens in three. So the the important pieces. Number one, I think they finally nailed the makeup and the look on three of what he's supposed to look like. I think that's the closest. Everything kind of like builds to that and then falls from that in the subsequent sequels. So there's a certain look to him that kind of works. Two, personality wise, I think he is the most fun in that movie. Okay. He also feels like he's having the the actor feels like he's having the best time in that movie. Um, three, I think the level of acting is actually elevated in that movie. And I think a lot of that has to do with, uh, Patricia Arquette. And then four, what that movie provided to the people who were watching this and they were like haunted by this was an ability to control or at least have a hope of control of if you are finding yourself in a situation that you're dealing with Freddy Krueger, here is a potential solution um, to kind of to work it all out. So I, that that okay. gave me a little bit of hope. So I, I think the writing <laughs> is in there. Um, the I the the thought that all of these kids that are in this psych ward have all variously tried to kill themselves. 
um, in hopes not to dream. I, I, I love all that stuff, like in the psychology of the kids. That I think that's the best hashed out, my humble opinion. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate that. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> but the funny thing about Freddy's Revenge, which falls under third for me, which is quote unquote, did you read this whole like homosexual Nightmare on Elm yes. Street thing that goes along yes. with it? Which is amazing. So <laughs> I met um, the guy who plays Jesse, Mark, blah, 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 blah. I can't remember what his name was. But what okay. makes it so good is that Heidi, when she was a kid, went to acting camp. This is where right. she met Natalie Portman. But her her um what do they call those people her counselor her camp counselor at acting camp was this guy mark Patton is his name so which makes it even better so when i met him and there was like his line was three deep which is also pretty cool so you get some face time with him and i was like hey you know, love the movie blah, blah blah i was like but it was like just you know my, you won't remember this is my wife blah 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 and I was like, and there was this guy who was running the camp and he like gave me the name. He's like, holy shit, that's like, it was great. So like, I love that guy. But the kind of the best part about that movie was um, there, <laughs> the fact that it is so super gay that if you watch it in the eyes of someone who's kind of like looking for the homosexual undertones, it slaps you in the face, literally. So that's ah, like a so fun movie. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're love just going to move on from that. Is that okay? All right. I love it. <laughs> would this movie be better if Gary Oldman was in it? And if so, who would he play? Yes. Oh. I want to see Gary Oldman play Freddy Krueger. You do? I want to see 25 to 30-year-old Gary Oldman in 1984 portray Freddy Krueger because I think that he is the right amount of creep. And looks creepy. I mean, Gary Oldman, when he was younger, is a very creepy looking dude to me. And I think that he obviously has the chops to do this. I'd like to say, I'm not going to say he's better. Right. Because Robert England is iconic, but I'd like to see. (sighs) I am, on, on one end, I agree with you in the sense that I would love to see him do it. But on the other end, like I'm just kind of thinking of him in that deep makeup in like all of all of thatness, and I just can't visualize him being successful at its too bad. Like, I wish I was there with you. I just can't get it. And How shit, was he I, in Dracula? He was, he. well, you know, here's the thing with Dracula. It's like I liked Dracula, and Dracula worked for kind of its pieces that it worked for, and Gary Oldman was giving it all in that. That's what but, I'm saying. I'm not saying yeah. how the movie is, because I'm not a fan of the movie. How yeah. is he? Was okay. He was not okay. fantastic in that movie. He, yeah. So I. Yeah. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> no, it's fine. So let me let me ask you this yeah. question then. Yeah. Who is a better Freddy Krueger? Wes Craven and Scream. When when you see him, when when uh, <laughs> what's Henry Winkler runs out of the the office and <laughs> it's Wes Craven in the striped uh, uh, sweaters <laughs> like sweeping like he's the yes. janitor. Uh huh. Or groundskeeper Willie in the Treehouse of Horrors. Oh, groundskeeper Willie! I was going to give you the hall monitor lady, but groundskeeper Willie is beating the uh, beating the pack. Perfect, perfect. <laughs> All right, most memorable line. So I have oh. I don't know six. I have oh god, I look twenty years old when fucking Nancy right. hasn't slipped, and I'm like twenty. <laughs> I wish. Yeah, what the fuck? Which just makes me laugh because like you're sixteen is twenty like that bad, but whatever. 
Um, this is God, which I know you said is kind of a weird line. I actually like that line. Uh, I'm into survival, which Nancy says when they're like her and Johnny Depp are going, her and Glenn are going through like the book with all the booby traps. And she's like, I'm into survival. I'm like, right. what? what does that mean? But I kind of like it. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Oh, yeah. Iconic line. Then comes up to my two favorite lines. Okay. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Oh, damn it. You stole it from me, bitch. Yes, I agree. But then my favorite line, which is uttered by somebody who I'm pretty sure is not credited. I can't figure out who actually said it. When they're going up to Glenn's room. Right. You don't need a stretcher up there. You need a mop. <laughs> which is my favorite what a dick. line of the whole movie. It's amazing. It, it's, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's the cop saying it to like the ambulance driver, but it's like, you don't need a stretcher, you need a mop. Yeah, it's 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 but. one of the cops being dicks. Oh, but it's such a great line. <laughs> Damn it, you, you took all the good I lines. I mean, what do you got? I got this one because this one still makes me laugh. She's um, she's yelling at Glenn when she fell asleep and that he didn't wake her up when she was like trying to get him to wake up, but she woke up anyway. So he, she wakes him up and is like lecturing him, and right. she says, "You let me fall asleep, you shit." <laughs> so that kind of always <laughs> makes me funny. Um, where's your past? Screw your past is always right. kind of like a fun one for me. Um, uh, yeah. Besides, besides the ones you took, I'm, I'm sticking with those two. I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go digging around for too too much. It's got to be, though, I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy, is 100% with the, the line. Tongue and with the tongue coming out of the phone. 100%. 100%. 100%. The Samwise Gamgee Award for Biggest Wet Blanket. It's Nancy. Oh, yeah. The whole movie is Nancy being a wet blanket. She's shitty. I know I know you're trying to, you're, you're being, you know, stalked by a, a, a super supernatural killer in your dreams. I get all that. You right. could just be a little nicer to people. <laughs> Don't be I so bossy line, and bitchy all the time. Yeah, I think the line you just said about uh, which how she talks to Glenn, like you know, you could you could back up a little bit. <laughs> Glenn seems to be a nice guy, like back up a little. Uh, why are you gonna be so shitty? <laughs> All right, new category. Yes, new category. New category. Hit me you with don't know it. it. I'm so excited. Movie real estate. Movie real estate. What does that mean? So, well, that that's a great question. Every movie has a hey, I see like the burbs. Okay. Yeah. If you lived in that cul-de-sac, which house would you want to live in? Sure. And why? Um, so that all of, you know, if, if we're, let's talk about Waterworld, shitty movie. Where would, what ship would you want to live in in Waterworld? Like, I want to know in the movies, movie real estate. So that could be a lot of different things, right? In this one specifically, would you live on Elm Street or ha- would you now in the real world, if you were going to buy a house and it was on Elm Street, would you live there? It's an interesting question. Because if you, all right, so like in an ideal world, mm-hmm. I'm living on the McAllister's block in Home Alone. Okay. Because in my sure, head, that's where number one real estate is occurring. Who, who, by the way, Dad McAllister is 100% in the mafia. How else can he afford that house? Go yeah, ahead. And, and then taking his entire family to Paris, who the hell knows what he's going on. But yes, I, Correct. I agree. Um, but Elm Street's kind of nice. And I imagine the real estate is pretty low because everyone keeps dying on the block. So sure. it's it's a mixture of uh, of lots of things. Now, would I want to live in that house? Meh, I'm going to pass on that house. So the bars in the house seem to be an issue. If I drive by yeah. and, hey, I'm going to live next to Nancy, why does this house have all these, like, 
Seems like a pretty quiet neighborhood. Why does <laughs> this house have nothing but bars on the windows? I don't know, but I'm with you. People keep dying. I could probably buy it and make a good investment. I don't maybe want to live there, right? but I'm okay renting it. I'd probably have to have a pretty high insurance policy, probably a large premium, but I'm okay with it. Sure. And then the house across the street, they just completely remodeled the uh, the small bedroom. <laughs> yeah. the Glenn's house, you might have to just tear down. Yeah, it might just yeah. be a reboot. Re- you might have to take it down to the studs. Might, oh. Yeah, might, might be down at the studs. What do you even do? Because there is a piece of me being like the realist now and like the dad who's like in charge of the house. Sure. What the hell do you do with that room? Like, do you, I, you am, move. I imagine you just burn that house to the ground. That's the only way Dude, to get through that house. Your son's innards is leaking through the ceiling. Oh. You can't live there anymore. No, you're done. You're, you're gone. You, yeah, go you go be buy done. a condo. You're okay. So movie real estate, that is the new category that will be on the pods. I love it. I Enjoy. love it. What do you wish there was more of in this movie? For me, it's only one thing. Yep. It's got to be parents confronting Freddy, which I know you get later in the films. But I just want to see a little more of that. I feel like Nancy's mom's, she's pretty drunk. Her her recollection of the events might be a little shaky. I need a little I need a little flashback scene. Of the parents actually like doing yep. the stuff that they do to them. Gotcha. Sure. Because I'm convinced it can work either way. I'm convinced they're villains. Maybe you get a flashback. There's a little, you have a little empathy for him. But I'm sure that I'm sure they're just shitty people and they just murdered this guy. Absolutely. I agree 100 percent. But I, I I would like to see a little bit of that scene. I'm looking for a little bit more Freddy Krueger in this movie. OK. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking for a little bit more of the personality. I'm not a lot. Don't get me wrong, because there's a certain degree of like it's too much in the later sequels. But I think we just don't get enough of them here. Um, yeah. So I would want more Freddy Krueger, but less bulky Freddy Krueger on fire. So if we could take down that one and bring regular Freddy back, that would be great. Yeah, that's clearly not Robert England. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the the easiest, I think this is the easiest question of the whole pod. Whose sure. movie is it? Oh, yeah, I mean, there it's it is. It's Freddy Krueger. Yeah. It's Freddy Krueger's movie. It has to be. It's Nobody great, else. and it should be. I think there's a little bit, again, of like, it's not urban legend because it's actually happens, but I think a little bit of it's like, oh shit, Johnny Depp, this is his first movie. So people will go back, I think, and be like, let me see that. And then he, it's such an iconic death scene. But overall, I mean, th- we just said at the beginning of the pod, this movie has sparked a half a billion dollar franchise and who right. knows how much, you know, past that in, in IP and in license and everything. He's still relevant today. Like Freddie is still relevant in 2019. Right. I, I Actually, I think if we're going to kind of move it beyond Robert England. It's New Line Cinema's movie because sure. that was the movie that saved New Line um, from ultimate collapse because they like all the chips were in this movie. So there's like that great line that they call New Line the house that Freddie built because everything came down to that movie. Like I, all the chips were on that one and then it paid off for them. So they were actually able to kind of bring things together. If it wasn't for Freddy Krueger, I don't think we would have Lord of the Rings. Just saying. Oh, I, okay. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I mean they all their their whole one point eight million dollars worth of chips. Yeah, went into. So that. you're saying you're saying Freddy Krueger should be credited as like special thanks to Freddy Krueger at the end of Lord of the Rings, like in the credits. At the end of any New Line movie, it should be special <laughs> thanks to Freddy Krueger. Just saying. I mean, we, let's start a petition. <laughs> 
he gets producer credit on every movie coming forward. Which I mean, there's a lot of truth to like not even to kind of be weird, but there's a lot of truth to that because all the revenue of these movies poured right into New Line. Sure. And then those movies weren't made for a lot of money. So it was all profit all the yeah, time yeah. for no, these guys. I'm with you. Yeah. So we can maybe get a like I'm your producer, Peter Jackson. I'm your producer now, bitch. AKA Peter Jackson. <laughs> With a little tongue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, underrated, overrated, properly rated, A uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Do I need to recap the scores for you? No, no, no. I think it is, you know, that, that 80% for, 83%, what was it? 83% for, uh, uh, audience, 94 it, critics. It, it, that feels low. To me, but I really, in the people that I speak to that see that movie, and I unfortunately, modern audiences do not watch this movie anymore. There's no reason to watch this movie anymore, and it's too, too bad. Right. But in its kind of like place and history and genre and pop culture and everything else, I mean, I, I feel like the appreciation for that mo- this movie is out there. I think it is very much properly rated. This is one of the quintessential movies that founded the slasher genre. So because of that, I think this movie will always be underrated Ah. for everything you just said, from everything from New Line Cinema to everything it sparked to 25 years later, 35 years later, still it's iconic. It's Freddy Krueger is still part of the horror genre, like one of the five, you know, if if you have the, if you have the Mount Rushmore, he's on there. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. He's got to be on there. Yeah. So I think that this movie is like one of the founding the, the concrete, the foundation, so to speak, of the slasher genre. Sure. So I think because of that, it will always be underrated. And I think that, you know, you show, like you said, you show your kids this, they don't have the same appreciation because they've grown up with this, what they've right. grown up with Freddie. So they don't understand like how iconic it was at the time or how like it started a genre. It was one yeah. of the things that started a genre. So, And a piece of it is, and this will be my last thought on it, is if you remember the horror of like the 70s um and i always kind of go rosemary's baby and like the exorcist and i mean those movies are like fucking dark like and i get it they're supposed to be horror movies but it's like you walk out of there and you're just like oh man like i just feel shitty you know what i'm not doing on a saturday i'm not putting rosemary's baby on no no my god it's just your 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 mood and you're kind of just it's just it's sunk but shit you go to a nightmare in elm street like you're, it's not that you're like happy-go-lucky when you walk out, but you're pretty energized. You're pretty excited about it. You want to talk about it. It's, it's fun. Like, how about this? How about like the fun of the horror movies is is very much ingrained in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, the only like kind of heavy horror movie that I still will watch often is The Shining. Yeah, and that's just because it's the fucking Shining. Right. <laughs> but even that, like, I I'll watch that once a year. You know. Yeah, that's a pretty heavy movie too. It's super heavy, but it's not The Exorcist. Right. It's not. Yeah. It's not someone getting uh, a, a crucifix out their vagina. Oh my goodness! Too much. And I think Too we're going to end it with that, buddy. I think yeah, that we'll might be the that. last. <laughs> that might be. It. That'll be All the right, new Bobby, question. I appreciate. Ugh, let's never speak of that again. I appreciate you being on, jumping you got on. Got it. Happy to. I appreciate love it. that you did this movie with me. I love this movie. I appreciate you coming back on. I'm super excited to see you back. I'm excited we're doing it together again. Yeah. If anybody hasn't seen our Halloween movie elimination bracket uh, thing we're doing on on Instagram, I think it's fun. I've had a lot of fun with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I'm I'm kind of shocked on some of the voting, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm bummed out. Hellraiser is bumped out of the uh, the running already. 
I'm bummed out that Young Frankenstein got smashed it's already. It's too bad. But but Nightmare Before Christmas is still in, and Tyler swore that Scream was gonna Scream was gonna knock that out. <laughs> but I, I think we'll get a good sense of who's listening based on this list. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's fun. I'm having fun with it. So if you guys have not seen it, definitely go check it out on our Instagram. Um, and and vote. There'll be some new ones up tonight. So we're doing one through thirty-two. So they're one seeds through eight seeds, and it's elimination bracket kind of standard. And uh, we just went through the first. Still working through the first round, but it's fun. Getting there. Getting there. Awesome. All right, buddy. Thanks for being on, and we'll do it again. Absolutely. All right, everyone. That is a Nightmare on Elm Street podcast. One of my favorite horror movies. Glad Rob could jump on. Super excited to be back. Sorry, took a bit of a hiatus. Uh, you know, life happens. So definitely excited to be back. And as I mentioned, thanks to Rob for jumping on. Thanks to all you guys for continued support and listening. Really appreciate it. The numbers um, are, as always, just overwhelming on how many downloads we get and, and everybody, the feedback and everything. So just very, always very touched. Uh, and again, always surprised that you guys actually like hearing what we have to say uh definitely give us those five star reviews on apple Podcasts as well as google Podcasts. Uh, follow on instagram at the morning geekdom follow on uh, excuse me facebook and twitter at morning geekdom subscribe rate review podbean stitcher soundcloud and spotify and we will do it again next week shout out to gary oldman